the Spirit of God calls us from many places. Some of us have been surrounded by people all week in busy homes and bustling workplaces, perhaps busier than we would like. Others of us have spent more time in solitude than with others, perhaps more solitude than we would like. Yet we come together here as beloved children of God, as part of one family, we come in wildly different frames of mind. Some of us received great news this week that we are eager to share and celebrate. Others of us have borne grief and pain and find ourselves on the verge of tears. Yet we will all be embraced by the God of love whose grace supplies our every need. We come into this holy house seeking the God who knows us intimately and welcomes us freely, seeking genuine connection, seeking deeper purpose. And in this place, we will find it. We are all together members of the one body of Christ, the church universal, and the God who calls us together is here to meet us. Come. Let us worship together.
Please pray with me this prayer. Good God, you know how often we don't know how we should pray. Sometimes we are so overwhelmed by the state of the world around us that we have no idea where to start. Sometimes our most pressing concerns seem too small and petty to bring to you, the God of the universe. And for those really big things, well, sometimes we don't want to bring them up for fear of putting you to the test or that we might not like the answer you give in return. Sometimes we find ourselves fumbling for the right words and we're self-conscious about that. We feel like we need to be eloquent when speaking with you. Sometimes we are troubled by how easily our minds wander to that project at work or that exam at school or a silly basketball tournament. And we imagine that you don't care to wander with us. Sometimes you just seem so far away. And to be honest, a lot of the times we just don't really want to take the time to seek you out. But we thank you, loving God, that you receive us into your presence no matter how we come and no matter how eager we are to be there. That you hear and understand us no matter how fumbly we are with our words. That you know our hearts and that your spirit intervenes on our behalf with groanings too deep for words. With these reassurances, help us to bring our petitions to you with confidence. We pray for all those in our immediate and extended church family who are ailing in body, mind, and spirit. Give them strength and patience to endure through hard days an easing of pain and disquiet, and caregivers who can help to relieve some of their burdens and even provide healing. We pray for those in our community who continue to feel the grief of recent loss, for the Blanchards and the Gregories and so many others who are dealing with the pain of death. Grant them the needed spaces in their lives to engage the essential work of mourning Grant them comfort when the loss seems too much to bear. And grant them occasions of fond remembrance that remind them of the joy that remains in their relationship with the departed. We pray for those who are tending to loved ones who are sick or aging. Give them the capacity to love and care well, even when juggling the myriad de demands of life. We pray for those near and far who are trafficked against their will to satisfy the appetites of others. We pray that they would find release and experience the restoration of what they have been deprived of for so long. Safety and security. The opportunity to determine their own way. Homes and stable relationships. The dignity of being known by name. We pray for those the world over who are suffering the effects of war and organized violence. 
from Ukraine to Myanmar to Yemen and beyond. Protect those who are hunkered down in chaotic conditions with no apparent ways out, as well as those who have been displaced and are searching for safe harbor. Be with the combatants as well, whether they have risen up in spontaneous defense of their homes or they have been raised up by others and sent to war against their choosing. Guard their souls and moral sensibilities that even in the midst of inhumane circumstances, they may not lose their humanity. And be with the leaders, elected and otherwise, who have it in their power to end those conflicts. Let there be peace, O oh God. We pray as well for justice, for racial justice, for gender justice. In this week, when we have been reminded again of the power of words to diminish others and to set agendas that marginalize voices that call attention to our shameful history and present of systemic racism and misogyny, we ask again that you would heal our fractured land. Open our eyes, all of our eyes, to the injustices around us and help us to undo them. We bring to you all these prayers, good God, for things both near and far, and we are confident that you hear and will respond. And where your response is to call us out, make us receptive to your invitation for us to move faithfully in dealing with the brokenness of the world around us. Let us be the very hands and feet of Jesus for this world in desperate need. We pray all of these things as followers of Jesus. Amen.
The scripture this morning is from the book of James, chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. A little different from what it says in your bulletin. I'd like to share with you the, uh, these verses, 13 through 16. I'll be telling it by heart. No need to read along. This is from James. Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call upon the elders of the church to have them come and pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith saves the sick, and the Lord raises them up, and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Here ends the telling of God's blessed word. Thanks be to God. Please join me in a spirit of prayer. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for thou art our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Do you know that's a quote from the Psalms? Just thought you might want to know where that prayer comes from. Prayer. Prayer is a particular time and space in which there is union with the divine. And although there have been many books written about prayer, there have been dissertations about prayer, there's been entire church traditions grounded on prayer, the reality is God is so much bigger than any set of words I could preach to you this morning. The only true way to express that tremendous union with the divine, I think, is in the form of a, of a painting or in the, the harmonies of music or in the beauty of poetry. And yet, we continue to define to talk about, to share about prayer, understanding that the words, the images, the metaphors we use are so small compared to the grandness of the reality of the divine. If I were to share with you about prayer, I would tell you about conversation that I have with God in prayer. It's an image that I draw from Jesus himself who spoke about God as Abba. It's an Aramaic word. It's a familiar kind of a word meaning father. And Jesus was representing, teaching, indeed embodying a kind of union with the divine that was completely full in all time and all space, for he was son of God. And yet the best I can do is tell you a story about a conversation I have with God, which won't surprise you because I'm a storyteller. <laughs> That's kind of how it works. Those of you who are painters might paint. Those of you who are 
Sopranos may sing, uh, baritones too, never forget the tenors or the altos. In other words, there's so many ways to lift up prayer. And so I just want to try this idea on for size with you here. I'm wondering if the way that I speak about conversation with God is actually code. It means something so much bigger than I can ever express in words. Is it possible when I talk to you about prayer and how I understand my relationship with the one whom I know is God, if that's merely shorthand for something so much bigger? And that idea brings a humility into the way that I share about prayer. What I love about this text in James is his call for the church to pray for one another. His call for us to gather together to confess our sins. Oh, let us say, talk about dropping those rocks in water and finding ways to share about our unburdening, finding ways to share one heart with the other. I think the problem with any particular way, let me tell you about my conversation with God, whom I understand as a power higher, greater, somehow up there. I was doing a storytelling workshop and telling a text, and in the text, uh, I kept putting my eyes up, and the uh, professor storyteller said to me, is that where God is? Isn't God here or here? Oh my, I don't know. I had to think about it all over again. I mean, anything that we talk about is so limited compared to what is truly there. And of course, the, the, the problem with me standing here and telling you about my lively, constant, pray-without-ceasing conversation with God is I fear it will stop you from thinking about your union with divine. I mean, what if, and this works so well for Baptists, what if there were as many ways to connect with the divine as there are people in this sanctuary and on YouTube and those of you watching later than Sunday? There's so many ways to connect. There's silent contemplation, prayerful conversation, devotional study of scripture such as Lectio Divina, mystical visions, walking a labyrinth, a wordless nudging of intuition. There are so many ways to connect. And I know that it is not easy to share broadly about how we pray because it's like personal, right? It's something that only God and I know, and yet God and you know it in your way. And so it seems to me there's such a richness in us sharing together, but I also want to say I understand that, that need to hold it close. The times when I have had experiences of the divine that have just been, I have held that close in prayer, and it's been a long time before I shared it, and only then I shared it with one person I trusted at first. You know me, then I made a story out of it. <laughs> Some people would paint. 
compose music, find a new way to serve those in need. There's a woman who had a very dynamic prayer life and had that sense of conversational dialogue with God on a regular basis. And there was a time when she had clarity that God was inviting her to consider beginning a new Christian school. Well, it just so happened that a renter had moved out of the church building and the whole second floor was vacant and the trustees hadn't decided what to do with it yet. It just so happened that there were a number of people in the church with backgrounds in elementary education. And it just so happened there was no other Christian school in the community. And so she was overjoyed with this vision, this dream, this call that she had. And so she went to share it with her pastor and told him about the prayer, about that sense of God speaking to her and through her, and about this possibility. And he said... I don't believe that God talks to people. And so she went home and told no one about the vision. And two years later, the Catholic Church down the street started a Catholic Christian school, K through eight, huge enrollment, really, really big. So God had God's way. Hmm. And I wonder about how loving and gentle and careful we have to be when someone shares a prayer with us. How careful we have to be not to allow our theology to somehow step on someone else's experience. It's a tender way of being together as a church in God's love. It's a gentle and welcoming and open way to hear different ways of understanding and receiving grace and love from the divine. I've had the opportunity to speak to people about faith kind of what I do. <laughs> and uh, many, many times people will tell me they no longer believe in God because one time they asked in prayer, they asked and it was important and God did not respond. And so they don't go to church. And every time I hear that story, it breaks my heart. Because prayer is not an individual pursuit. It cannot be. And there are people who practice it as an individual pursuit. I worry that there's this confusion between prayer and uh, magic. It, it's not about asking some power for something and then getting it. I mean, that's how it was understood when... Jesus was walking on earth, and that's how come so many people were choosing this God or that goddess or whichever one would serve them well. And Jesus said, it's a single, it's a single divine love. It's a single God. And I was contemplating about this puzzle, about how many people, it's not so much 
that they don't believe in God, but somehow they've been so disappointed. First of all, the idea that they would ask for something, you know, like, like a healing maybe, or, or like someone's life be saved, and it doesn't happen. So one of two things, either there is no God, or worse, worse yet, somehow there's a God and I'm not included. And how is it that we as the church are living in a world where there's people who have that sense and it occurs to me that when James suggests that we confess our sins to one another and pray for one another, there is a way, and I have experienced this myself in times of difficulty, when my prayers are simply, well, they call it a dark night of the soul. There's just no connection in any time or any space. And in those moments in my life, there has been a church who has held me in prayer. There has been a church holding up love. You see, we do. We ask God for what we need. We ask God for petitions. We ask, we, we, we say our laments and, and invite God to listen. We give thanks. I mean, all of this are the particularities of our own life and of, of, of justice needs in the world. And all of that is well and good. But my friends, it's not like Santa Claus giving gifts. It's like leaning into a relationship of love so that whatever grace is given, or whatever difficulties ensue, I am leaning into a love, not only that I know from the divine, but I know that you know from the divine. Perhaps not in the way that I do. And I find that so interesting <laughs> and exciting and creative because God is beyond my understanding. And yet somehow, when we all sing those verses of holy, 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 and that final verse lifts in praise, there is love. Those moments of time when we connect with one another, there is love. And there is a way to intentionally move deeper into love of the divine but we have to find ways to talk about it that doesn't make it a competitive sport, that doesn't make it seem like somehow one person's understanding of prayer is superior and the other is not. No, no. I had this idea this week. I'm just trying this out on you guys. This is brand new thinking. But you know, we're Baptists and we, we talk about soul liberty, that we can look at scripture and the Holy Spirit can lead us in interpretation? What if we had soul liberty of prayer? What if everyone's individual access to God was a unique and beautiful and part of this wholeness of who God is? I have to say in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit because I live, breathe, and pray the Trinity. And that's another thing I love about the Trinity. There's so many images for God. More images than we could name here this morning. So there's a vision for us to pray with one another, pray for one another, and share with one another 
where our deepest prayers are. What, what are we doing prayerfully when we mourn what is happening in the Ukraine? What do we do prayerfully when we mourn the death of a loved one? What are we doing prayerfully when we long for our children and grandchildren to grow in a way that they feel secure in the love of God all around? And to share that with one another in a way that is gentle, loving, full, accepting, welcoming. Well, here's a first step. The first step is simply to try a prayer practice you've not tried before. Or at least to open yourself to think about what it is to step out in some kind of prayer that may not be what you expected. And there's no words for this, but there's a story. It was my first silent retreat, and I had decided to use the continuing education money and week, uh, one of the weeks, and go on this eight-day silent retreat at a Jesuit retreat center in Weston. And so I presented this to the deacons, and they were in large part supportive, except that one of them said, wait, eight days of silence, you? Well, I wanted to try it. So off I went. And honestly, all you need to do is pray. And there's complete silence, a meeting with a spiritual director, 20, 30 minutes once a day with a little bit of talking. Other than that, I was silent. No words, no speaking, no whispering. Silent. It was lovely. <laughs> so I went into the chapel of the Holy Spirit. And as I stepped in, I could hear the echo of my shoes on the marble floor and smell just a bit of incense from that morning's worship. And along both sides of the sanctuary were these uh, separate marble altars, each one with a pair of silver candlesticks and ivory candles and the name of a saint written on each one all the way up. And at the front, there was this dome over the altar, and there was a painting of angels all the way around holding torches and the Holy Spirit, that white heavenly dove with gold around coming down out of the sky. Stained glass windows surrounded me, each window representing a different gift of the Spirit with the name in Latin underneath. Well, after exploring the sanctuary in silence, I found a pew and sat down, dark oak wood and cushy royal blue cushion. I had my Bible and my journal and I read a little bit in the Bible and I took my deep breaths and I settled myself into prayer to have that time of silence, that moment of union with the divine. I took a deep breath. Nothing, nothing was happening, absolutely nothing. So I look around, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, this is really, this architecture is really kind of Catholic church architecture, and I'm more of a, you know, blue light through the windows in a sanctuary kind of gal. So 
I took my Bible and my journal. I went upstairs because on the second floor they had the Mary Chapel. Now, this didn't have pews. There were uh, armchairs with a nice burgundy upholstery and leaded glass window. I could see the magnolia blooming and there was a, a lectern with a beautiful Bible open to the Gospel of Luke and a statue of Mary and behind her a candle that was lit day and night. And I settled into the chair. There were floor lamps casting gold orbs of light on the carpet and I did some writing in my journal and then I settled in and took a deep breath and settled into prayer. Nothing, 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 nothing. Now the church was paying for this eight-day retreat, expecting their pastor to come back somehow more holy and renewed than she left, and nothing was happening. Well, I figure, okay, third time's the charm. So I go up to the third floor, and there is Lestorta Chapel. Now, this one is still different from the other two. There was this driftwood contraption, and on it was a psalter that was calligraphied. And the first letter of the first word of each psalm was in beautiful ink of, of indigo and violet and gold. And there were no pews or chairs, but cushions on the floor. So one could kind of sit and meditate. And so I settled down. Yeah. Nothing. I look at the leaded glass windows, and there's a little bird tapping with a beak on the glass. And as I look, that little bird took off the windowsill and flew down the hill. And I decided to follow. I left the journal and Bible behind, ran down two flights of stairs, burst out the back door, and I went down this little path past the cemetery where the old Jesuits are buried in sacred ground, and past the ball field where on Saturday the little league was playing, and and by College Pond, there's a, a wooded uh, path. And, and I went in and it was that time of year when it's just getting warm in spring and you can smell the scent of the pine needles coming up from the ground. And I saw the flash of a blue jay and I was covered with the canopy of old oak trees and maple trees and those graceful pine trees. And I continued to walk just completely enamored by the beauty around me and came out of the woods and found myself on the other side of the pond. I was on a dam and I, I stepped out and I took a breath and there was the blue sky and the sun and something happened in the silence. I started to sing. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. Let your goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. And the cattails started to whisper. And there was a rustle of feathers and a, a great 
blue heron lifted in flight and flew around the pond once and twice and three times and off into the horizon. Praise God. Friends, hear these words of benediction. Are any among us suffering? We should pray. And we can pray with assurance that God hears us whenever we pray, that God listens to us whenever we pray, and that when we pray persistently, when we pray without ceasing, that things get better. And friends, we can come before God with more than just our concerns and our pain. We also can bring our joy before God. Are any among us joyful? Are any among us celebrating anything? We should sing songs of praise and we should rest assured that God hears us when we lift our voices, whether in prayer or in song and that God is actively at work in the world, making all things new. Friends, be well.
and go in peace.